scripture for this morning comes to us from the book of Mark, the second chapter, the first through the twelfth verses. I'll turn a little sideways here to see if I can block the wind. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around, and there was no longer room for them, not even in the front door. And he was speaking the word to them. Some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And they, and they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there and questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he turned and said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up, and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Denny. One time I was at the Kansas State Fair and Garrison Keeler was there. And uh, he didn't realize how windy it was in Kansas. And he didn't have his notes secured and he lost them. And he lost his story. And uh, I'm hoping that doesn't happen right now with my sermon. Nah, I think we'll be good. Hey, it's Confirmation Sunday! Yes! Uh, oh my gosh, I love this day in the church here so much and uh this one is a little later than we had first planned on it being because covid right but we're here and i'm so glad that we get to celebrate this awesome day and celebrate this awesome class of youth that you're going to see in just a little bit and watch them make firm their baptismal vows and and make promises to live as disciples of jesus did you know that every year something like 50 percent of united methodist churches do not have a confirmation class and that's mostly because they're really little churches that have very few children, and so maybe they don't have somebody in 7th or 8th grade to confirm. And that stinks for them, and it stinks for the church at large. But so I just want to note that and say to you, St. Paul's, uh, good job. Good job for continuing to invest in children's ministry and youth ministry. Good job on seeing as one of your primary missions to raise kids who know Jesus and who love God and who live out their discipleship in the world. Good job on knowing that that is a primary thing of this thing we call church. We can't stop doing it. 
right? We cannot stop doing it. It's fundamental to who we are as a church to share the goodness of God with children and watch them grow. So good job. Let's keep it up. It's Confirmation Sunday, and I want to say to you confirmands who are generally sitting in this middle area of the lawn here, I want to say congratulations. Congratulations to you guys. We love you, and we're proud of you, and guess what? We need you as a part of the church. We need you. We need you now. We need you here. We need your gifts. We need your hopefulness. We need your perspective. We need your energy. We need your love. We need your faithfulness. We need all that from you. And we need you to help us be hopeful and energetic and loving and faithful. Okay, got it? I'm looking for head nods. All right, good. We need you. We need you and we need each other. We need each other. We need each other as friends in faith. We need to be friends to each other. We need to be supportive of one another. We need to help one another. And that's just a huge part of what it means to be the church. And our scripture this morning reminds us of this. And it also teaches us something really important about what friendship and faith might look like. So as I talk for just a minute about this story from the Gospel of Mark, I want you to be thinking, especially you confirmands, I want you to be thinking about your closest friends. And I also want you to be thinking about your friends at church. And remember that your friends at church don't have to just be people your own age. All right? That's one of the cool things about church. Is you can be friends at church with people who are a whole lot older than you, and people at church are a whole lot longer, younger than you. And it's not weird at all. It's just, right? Right. Thanks, Barb. Thanks. This is the amen corner over here. Because you guys are all wearing masks. So I can hear them. You can be friends with people of all ages at church. And it's not weird at all. So I want you to be thinking about your friends of all ages. The people that you can count on the most. As you hear about these friends and what they did. Well, I'll just tell you what they did. They broke the rules. That's what they did. Okay. So imagine this scene. You live in Galilee, northern Israel. It's like the year 30, about. And you're just an average person. You're just living your life, just like you are here. Just an average, not, not to say that you all are average. You are not average. You are way above average. Everybody here, above average. You're just a normal person, okay? <clears throat> Which in the year 30 in would have meant that you were poor. That's what being average meant. You were poor. So maybe you worked in the fields. Maybe you tended animals. Maybe you were a shopkeeper. Maybe you were a servant. You probably worked for somebody else. But you got along okay, usually, when the crops were good. Anyway, so you're going about your daily business, and you hear that this teacher is coming through town. And uh, this guy named Jesus. And people are saying some kind of amazing things about him. You, you hear that all the religious teachers, the scribes, the really smart religious people, they're going to gather up to hear him teach, and lots of other people are going to go see what he's all about. So you decide to go see for yourself, to walk over to the place that he's staying, and you're going to listen to hear what he has to say. And once you get to that house, you see that Jesus is teaching. He's sitting in the front like Jewish teachers would do, sitting in a chair. And people have begun to gather on the floor at his feet. And the house is pretty full, so you grab a spot in the back against the wall, and you see that a lot of your friends are already there, and you just settle in to listen. Now, it's, you know, not a very fancy house. It's pretty dark in there, not a lot of windows. And so many people have come. They've packed out the house, actually, and, and they blocked the whole doorway. Can't even get light in that way. And, and then people are starting to gather outside. They're gathering outside as far they can they can to still hear what jesus has to say and he's up in front imagine him up in front he's teaching passionately the crowd is just transfixed by his transfixed by his words and you can start to feel your own soul kind of stirring at the truth that he speaks 
And then you notice some dirt kind of fall down from the ceiling into this dark and this dusty room. Some, some little shafts of light kind of start to break through. And you, you hear the scrape of some roof tiles. And, and then some more dirt comes down and some light starts to flood the room. And you realize somebody is opening up the roof. There's a hole in the roof. And not just a little one. They make it bigger and bigger and bigger until it is so big that a man on a mat can be lowered down. And a couple people inside the room, they jump up and and they help. And they lay that man at Jesus' feet. And Jesus bends over it and he says quietly to the man, "Your your sins are forgiven. And immediately that causes the religious people, the scribes, to kind of have a hubbub. They start to talk. Hey, this isn't cool. This is blasphemy. Blasphemy. And they think he's speaking against God because only God can forgive sins. And Jesus, of course, Jesus hears them whispering to one another, and he's not too keen on them challenging his authority. So he says, all right, I will show you. I will show you what I can do. And he says, why don't you stand up and go home? And the man gets up. He gets up. Imagine then this crowd that had been packed in so tightly that nobody else could get in. They have to squish and scuffle and make an aisle so that he can walk out the door. Right? He, he leaves. He just gets up and he walks out the door. This man came in through the roof and he goes out the door. And everybody is just sitting there left on the floor, crowded in that tiny house, glancing between Jesus, I imagine, and the patch of sky that they can see through the roof, wondering what in the world just happened. I mean, it's an odd story, right? It's an odd thing for the friends to do. It's not like the roof was a normal means of entrance into a first century building. It's not like climbing onto the roof was the first thing you would think to do if the doorway was blocked. They didn't want a hole in their roof any more than we want a hole in our roof. This story, this dramatic act by the friends of the paralytic, it was as shocking to the people in that house as it would be if we were inside that building and in the middle of a sermon some and groaning happened above our heads and a hole appeared in the ceiling of the sanctuary. Can you imagine what the trustees would do? I don't even want to think about it. Now what what I love about this story is that Jesus does not seem particularly surprised or put out that the paralytic came in through the roof. He doesn't have a problem with it. He doesn't care that it interrupted his teaching. He uses the moment to help the man. And the scripture says, I don't know if you caught it, but the scripture says he does it when he sees the faith of the friends. That's what moves Jesus. That's what makes the impression on him. The scripture says when he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, their, plural, not just the man's faith, when he saw their faith, meaning the faith of the friends, when he saw the faith of the friends who were willing to dig a hole in someone else's roof to get their friend the help he needed. Jesus responds to the faith of the friends. And I think that's because they had figured out something key about Jesus himself. Now, in Scripture, it says that they couldn't bring the man to Jesus through the doorway because of the crowd. And I read this, and I hear a kind of underlying suggestion that the man couldn't get to Jesus because he was turned away from him. It wasn't just that he got there late. It's that he was shut out. That the crowd saw him... But they didn't want him to get to Jesus because, well, I don't know why, something. Something, he wasn't worth it. 
to get in there, so they kept him on the outside. They said, you Jesus, Jesus wasn't going to stand for that. Jesus wouldn't stand for that. And the friends wouldn't stand for that. They insisted on bringing him inside somebody who the crowd wanted to keep outside. And Jesus responded to that because that's what Jesus was about, right? Jesus is exactly about this bringing inside the people that the world wants to keep outside. Over and over again in the gospel stories, we see Jesus doing this exact thing, turning toward the people that the crowd wants to keep away, bringing inside the people that the crowd wants to get outside. So the friends, they did an odd thing, but it was a very good thing. And it was also a very brave thing. I want us to miss this, right? It wasn't their house, guys. They made a mess for some homeowner. They destroyed somebody's property. But they did it to help their friend. And Jesus blessed that effort. The friends were told they couldn't, and yet they did it. And because of that, their friend got up and walked out of that house and lived a wholly different life. What I'm saying is, is they broke the rules. They broke the rules. They broke the boundaries. They broke the boundaries that the crowds tried to set up to keep them outside so broke that boundary of the roof like literally they broke through that boundary but in doing so they broke through what was nice and respectable in order to help their friend jesus and jesus he welcomed it he welcomed it because that's what he did he broke the rules he broke the boundaries he broke what was nice and respectable in order to heal and help and save people who need it this is just who jesus was now we can take this story and apply it in a whole lot of different ways You know, sometimes we're the guy on the mat. Sometimes we're wounded or ill. Sometimes we're hurting or we're desperately in need of help and and we need to get to Jesus. Remember I said, think about your friends. So in those moments when we're the one lying on the mat, we want to make sure we have some really good friends around us to help us get there, to help us get to that place of healing and wholeness. Friends we can count on to do whatever they need to do to help us get better to help us be made whole. We want friends who will carry our mat or carry our stretcher. Friends who will even dig through a hole, dig a hole in the roof in order to get us the help that we need. We want friends who believe so strongly in the power of God that they'll pray for us and they'll remind us of the love and mercy of God at every turn and they'll keep us hopeful and they will even carry us whenever it is that we need it. So sometimes we're the guy on the mat. But sometimes we're the friends, aren't we? Sometimes we're the friends, and we need to be ready to do just what the friends did. To do whatever it takes so that the world can see and know the love of God. Those friends, they weren't just breaking the rules for no reason. They were breaking the rules in order to help their friend to get to Jesus. They were doing what they had to do to show the power of God and the realness of God's love in the world. Sometimes we have to be ready to do that. Even if it means breaking boundaries the things that are standing in our way of doing it. Even if it means ignoring a whole house full of people who are telling us to turn around and go home. Sometimes we have to be the friends and, and push on through, trusting that God is there waiting for us. Sometimes we're the guy on the mat. Sometimes we're the friends climbing up on the roof. And sometimes, sometimes, unfortunately, we're the people sitting in that crowded room watching it all happen and just wondering what to make of it. Sometimes we're the ones trying to enforce the rules and the sense of decorum. Sometimes we're the ones trying to keep things orderly. And when we do that, sometimes we miss the fact that there's a chance for healing and wholeness. 
Sometimes we're just mad about the hole in the roof missing out on the miracle that's happening around us. And we need to let our boundaries shift a little. We need to allow something new and fresh and wonderful to happen. So confirmands, this morning I want to remind you that this moment, right here, confirmation, it is not a graduation moment, okay? This is the end of something. I know that you went to class for a long time and you did a lot of, took a lot of notes and you did some service work and you met with your mentors and it feels like you checked a bunch of stuff off your list and that you are graduating in a way today. That is not what's happening. You are not ending something. Today, you are starting something. This is a beginning. All that stuff was to get you ready for what's about to come. You are starting something and that something is your life as a member of the church. And there are lots of different ways that we can talk about being a member of a church, lots of different ways the Bible does. But what I want you to hold on to for this morning is this picture from the gospel story, remembering that sometimes being a member of a church means being like those friends who are willing to break the rules, who are willing to dig a hole in the roof, who were willing to carry their friends so he could receive the healing love of God. Today, when you join the church, you're saying, I want to be like one of those people. I want to be someone who loves God so much that I am willing to do what it takes to help others. Willing to do what it takes to help others get the help they need. I'm willing to do what it takes. Even crashing through someone's roof. That's a promise that you're going to make today. And you're going to do it surrounded by a whole bunch of people who have made that same promise Surrounded by people who want to see Jesus' healing and Jesus' hope and Jesus' mercy spread as far and as wide as it can. You are surrounded by people who want to make sure that everybody who's struggling can one day get up and walk. So, congratulations on your confirmation. We love you. We're proud of you. And we're excited for all that God has in store for your lives. Thanks be to God. Amen.